have they matter a bit. acknowledged. Yeah. Yes. So we're gonna tonight. We're gonna do a bunch of interviews. Um, yeah. You know, we, we deviate from our normal format, which is call in about anything you'd like to call in about, and you can still call in, and we'll try to squeeze your call in at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI phone line. But we are gonna do some interviews, and the first ones that I grabbed the honor the honor position this evening are um, Tony and Alicia from the uh, Appleseed Project. Folks? The Appleseed Project, joining up with other free staters. Alicia, Tony, um, this has to do with a fundamental right, correct? Um, the Appleseed Project actually is the attempt to restore the American rifleman tradition, which means a rifleman means something. It's a person who is able to shoot four minutes of angle which is target about 20 inches at 500 yards at will every time, knows history, understands the present, and is moving uh, his behind or her behind <laughs> from, uh, in front of the TV and is doing something to restore our people. Right. So the, the, the Appleseed Project, not only is it a, uh, it's a lesson on how to shoot a rifle and, you know, a, a great lesson on how to shoot a rifle, but it's a history uh, lesson at the same time. And it's... it's yes, it's, um, it helps you understand our heritage. It helps understand what it cost the individuals back in the beginning to have what we have now, this freedom that we so willfully throw away yeah. because we're too lazy to do anything about it. Or, or we're unwilling to fight against the judicial tyranny of justices who will selectively decide which of the so-called so rights will be protected or not protected by this uh, fraudulent government. So as part of the history, we're learning the individuals, the lives, what they gave up, what they did. So it's it's personal. It's not just oh those guys back then. Yeah, the ones that wrap their feet at Valley Forge or whatever, right? Now tell us tell us some of the history lesson that, that people learn when they go to the Appleseed Project. What do you, what do you tell them? The biggest impression on me makes a history of Isaac Davis, who was a gunsmith, just like I, I am. You are a gunsmith. Find one. <laughs> at least I wanna be who was also a blacksmith, farmer. He was training uh, uh, his neighbors as a militia uh, formation on his own uh, backyard where he organized a, a shooting range. He was uh, able to prepare his people, uh, fully equipped them for the battle, and he was their captain. And, uh, 19, uh, April 19, 1775, when the signal came to go to the field and into the battle, he left uh, his wife and four children sick. At this time, sick children meant that they might die. Yeah. The, the, the sickness was deadly at that time. So he was leaving uh, the children he made with the again. consciousness that he probably will not see them alive. What's more, he was a superstitious person, and he saw the owl sitting on his musket before, sign of death. So wow. living for the signal to battle, he was sure that he is going to die. Wow. 
What happened to him? Terina? And he died from the first uh, valley in uh, Concord. Now, that's unusual because the um, during the Revolutionary War time, what, 20, 20% of people died from musket balls and 80% died from bayonets. So oh, yeah. actually to get taken out by musket balls, kind of unusual, right? They didn't. Yeah. They didn't have very much targeting on, in that. Well, case. in fact, most of that volley went over the heads. He just happened to be one of the few. He was hit in the head. Gosh. Oh, wow. um, he was one of the few who managed to be hit because most of the volley went right over the heads of the colonists. But the colonists, when they returned fire, they went to their mark. Now, the because the the British soldiers were armed with what Brown Bess uh, muskets, so they the, the, these what 80 caliber balls go clank 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 right. down the yeah. down the the uh, the tube, and they kind of go out in in some pattern or another. Whereas um, our on our side, people were riflemen. They had rifled uh, right. They they were in, intended to shoot animals. These these weapons, right? Is that right? Uh, no, they no. were using the same kind of the muskets. Okay, but their uh, livelihood depended they on the on they used to hunt ah. if they didn't shoot straight they didn't eat the dinner okay so they were well well experienced with the use of the rifle of the muskets so they were good and effective up to 150 yards and maybe i think about 200 yards it's amazing you know uh, i was thinking about this tony and Lisha. um uh, here, you know, you are sitting with us on Free Talk Live, and we're we're here at the Liberty Forum in, in Nashville, New Hampshire, and the motto is "Live Free or Die." And uh, you think about how much has been lost sentimentally uh, from that time and the sacrifices of these people. Um, you know, knowing the stories of some of these people, does it disturb you to think that so few people today recognize the importance? of not only training with a firearm, but upholding the abstract principle. Tony, you and I were speaking before the show. You come from Poland. You're a political refugee. Uh, to, to recognize that if you own yourself, you have a right to protect yourself, and you, you should, and you should learn how to do it. Even better not to need to protect yourself. Yep. Uh, yes, <laughs> I am a political refugee, and uh, I became uh, uh, pretty much libertarian long time ago right now I uh, fully subscribe to the ideas of uh, free talk life especially Ian and Mark what bothered me for me for a long time was that uh, I never heard practical solutions from uh, to get from point A to point B to our imaginary ideal world mm. how to secure this way and results of our way. Uh, so, after thinking through this, I came with the idea, we have 70 million gun owners. If they are all able to shoot, they know uh, their equipment, and they know, understand presence and know history, which is not taught currently in the schools, we will never need to shoot. Now tell me, tell people how they can get a hold of um, Appleseed uh, real quick. If you just even go to Google and Google Appleseed, it'll come up. Okay, cool. Thanks very much, guys. Tony, Alicia. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank right. you both. Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231.
On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. one 800 This is Mark with you. And Guard. And it's Free Talk Live. You can call in about anything you'd like to talk talk about. But tonight we are at the 2010 Liberty Forum here in beautiful Nashua, New Hampshire. And we're doing a lot of interviews. So um, I've been running around grabbing everybody. And there's, uh, you know, on Free Talk Live we don't talk to a heck of a lot of politicians. Right you know, on, man. Kind of rankles me a little bit. But... Um, when, when a politician says the things I like to hear, then I'll bring him on. And, uh, bring him on. I have with me Bob Guida. Uh, Bob, you just have to twist that, that little headphone around there. Um, Bob, you, I heard you speak at a local event, and I like the words you said. Tell people your, your platform and what you're running on, where you're um, running for. Running for the U.S. House in the 2nd Congressional District of New Hampshire. So that's a U.S. House. You'll, you'll be you bet. ruling over everybody in America. So you know. No, I won't be ruling. I'll be serving and I'll <laughs> be fighting you. for freedom, which is in great jeopardy as we speak, both in terms of product, what's coming out of Congress, and process, how it's being done. And in, uh, in, in New Hampshire, you did great work here in New Hampshire as a New Hampshire politician trying to push back against the United States government itself. And I think that's part of the reason why you have such respect here, Bob. Uh, Thank you. So many people admire your efforts. New Hampshire itself has been changing, and we're obviously working, all working, to try to get back to it. You decided to try to take on this federal establishment. Uh, second district, uh, right now the guy who's in the district is a Democrat, and he's going to be running for Senate. So that means that it's going to be essentially an open seat. Correct. Uh, tell, us, tell us what inspired you, Bob, to decide to get into this race and leave the New Hampshire battle we just spoke with some people about the Second Amendment and, and the right to keep and bear arms, the history, the lineage of it going back to the Revolution. Obviously, this is a crucial, crucial time for a guy who wants to devolve the federal government. It, we couldn't see a more dangerous time to see the size of the government. So I'll just leave you that intro, and you can tell us what, what inspired you to say, you know what, i got to do this. Well, I had left the New Hampshire House after three consecutive terms, self-term limited, because you do get jaded, you do get tired, and... and when you lose the energy, you need to leave and go back to what you were doing. That's how our country was designed. No career people, no, no lifetime careers and with retirement funds and health care, those kinds of things. <clears throat> uh, I looked around, and, and I read the Constitution. It's on my bedside table. I carry one in my pocket. I have one in my car. I'm an airline captain. I carry one in my flight kit. Good for you. When I'm 39,000 feet late at night on a 14-hour flight to Beijing or Kuwait or someplace, it's quiet. I'll pop, read a couple sections and think about them. The fact of the matter is that our country right now is, is at a crossroads of incredible importance. Either, and I believe this is the election in fact, either we are going to endorse a government which produces outcomes, or we're going to endorse a government which protects freedom. You can't have both. And right now with entitlements and with government in every aspect of our lives, okay, we lose freedom. We become subjects 
not citizens. Uh, a large part of that is our own responsibility. When you have 30% of the voting public voting, that means that roughly 9% of the population runs the country. And the citizen, under our founding father's picture, the citizen was the watchdog. I hear people talk about term limits. I'm against term limits. Why? They're in the Constitution. Term limits won't solve anything. It's the rules of the House. Study the rules of the U.S. House and Senate, and you understand where the corruption begins. You have to change those rules. Term limits won't change longevity and seniority and patronage. It'll just have politicians changing seats like, uh, you know. Well, you'll, have, you'll have a guy that's going to do the wrong thing, do it in 12 years instead of 25. Do you see, Bob Guida, do you see any uh, particular issues? Obviously, we've got the, this ridiculous medical fascism that's being uh, sure. foisted upon us through the most Byzantine, bizarre rules uh, that even those people who swear an oath to uphold the Constitution, uh, they could care less. They are criminal elements. Uh, they, they deserve no respect whatsoever, e even as human beings. They're dishonest, corrupt <laughs> people. Um, and do you see, in addition to that, do you see other ones that are out there? We've got the bailouts. Uh, we've got uh, various let's, Supreme let's, Court let's decisions. Let's go back. Let, let's talk about some things. Let's talk about this thing called net neutrality. Yeah. First Amendment. I mean, I'm all over that. And in the column that he wrote on my website, which is, of course, uh, someplace I'd love to have people go look, uh, what is that website? It's www.bobguida.com. Bobguida.com. Uh, I talk about net neutrality. I talk about McCain-Feingold. Oh, jeez. The U.S. House, Senate, and President passed McCain-Feingold. Incredible. An infant who has read the First Amendment would have understood right off the bat it was inconstitutional before the last word was written. And yet it took millions of dollars through a legal process and, and, and the machinations of you know, federal circuit courts and appellate courts and the U.S. Supreme Anyone that understands the Constitution knew that that was an infringement. Right, and the way that they overturned it was ugly, too. McCain-Feingold stunk, and it stunk for a whole bunch of reasons, and they didn't... And they didn't, uh, they didn't appeal it for the reasons that I felt it stunk. They appealed it for reasons that, uh, you know, were something entirely different. I, the reasons that I felt, yeah, the reason I felt it stunk, they appealed it for entirely different reasons, like corporations have a freedom of speech or something. Sure, yeah. let's talk about, I mean, pick something. Pick anything coming out of this government. Cap and trade, they're looking oh, at that. Amazing. Uh, I fly international routes for a major airline. Yeah. I travel to Beijing. I travel to Dubai, Kuwait, Europe, all over Europe, all over South America, yeah. Singapore. Yeah. Cap and trade will hamstring American business. It will cost, they're estimating, it will cost a million and a half jobs for the next 10 years. It's stunning. It, it, it does nothing to solve the problem, but it creates a gaming situation for carbon credits. Yep, absolutely. Which currently exists in Europe, and the corruption is massive. And all it does, Bob, all it, it does doesn't incentivize. Know. This country was based on three things. It was based on individual responsibility, individual freedom, and economic liberty. You take any one of those, or any part of any one, or any part of all three of those, and you start destroying this republic model. And the costs that will be incurred on the business huge, are incredible. Huge. And, Bob, and homes and families. As, as, a, as a professional pilot, um, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to be flying into England on Tuesday. And it just gets me so angry to know that the federal government, starting in the 1920s, basically squeezed itself into what could have been a private security paradigm in an unconstitutional what? fashion. The same way they took over the airwaves in, in broadcasting, they said, oh, well, planes go over state borders, so therefore we can regulate them. What's your view on the current status of 
air security, so-called. Let's, let's talk about that. Security. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting because that's, that is a something in which I've had an impact personally. Mm-hmm. Both captains at United on 93 and 175 were personal friends. Oh, okay. Wow. And on that day, <clears throat> I vowed to myself, I'm going to do what I can to fix this problem. And so I started out on a one-man crusade to enable airline pilots to be trained and armed to carry weapons in oh, the cockpit. Oh, good for you, Bob. Well, I fought George Bush. I fought the Air Transport Association. I fought the Airline Pilots Association, of which I was a member. Okay, and I was on Fox News. I was on Dateline NBC. Uh, I was threatened with termination by my company. I advocated training and arming airline pilots as an ex-FBI agent, as a former Marine officer, as a Naval Academy graduate. I figured I knew a little bit about weapons and handling and so forth. And the other thing was this. Had we had weapons on airplanes, which we used to until 1983, then we would have had no 9-11. But we worked that bill. We got it done. Today, over 10,000 pilots carry firearms in a cockpit. Awesome. Thank you for that uh, hard work you did on that, uh, Bob. Now, before we get um, we go, tell me your uh, stand on the Fed real quick and then plug your website. Uh, the Fed needs to go away. Yeah. We need to start with an audit, and then that will show, I'm sure, enough culpability in many different places that, that it, will, it, will see, it will be seen that it's necessary to take and dismantle that organization. Website? Uh, www.bobguida.com. Thank D-O-B-G-I-U-D-A. You, Thank you. Thanks, Bob. For men who... There was a new, yeah, there was a, well, there was a, right, and so with that, well, even beyond. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You make the calls, except on a special occasion like now. This is Guard. And Mark. And if you do want to reach us, 1-800-259-9231. We will try to sneak in some phone calls, but since we are here in southern New Hampshire at Nashua, New Hampshire, in the Crown Plaza Hotel, the Free State Project's Liberty Forum. Yep, 2010. We have some special guests all lined up, some great conversations, really interesting to talk with uh, Bob Gata in our last segment. Right. And, and what we're going to do is uh, we're going to bang, bang, bang. We're going to hit a whole bunch of interviews. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of famous names here. I'm going to hear a lot of stuff. This man sitting next to me, I know this name very, very well. I, he's one of the premier uh, gun rights attorneys, at least in my mind. I don't know that, that that's you know I, I don't know all the specifics of gun rights, but he's one of the premier gun rights attorneys in the in the nation. And but he, today he's here to talk to us about it's uh, Save Your Knife Rights, Knife Rights Incorporated, Knife Rights Incorporated. It's called Knife Rights. And Evan, he is Evan, Evan Nappen. Yes. yes, Evan. Good to have hey, you here on Free guys. Talk Live. Hey, always a pleasure. Pleasure. Tell us about. Uh, well, Save I'll Knife tell you. Rights. I uh, you know I've I've spent my entire career in fighting for. Gun rights, knife rights, and the Second Amendment. And, uh, you know, people don't think too much uh, when you talk about the gun issue, how the knife issue actually ties directly into it. Matter of fact, in the Heller decision, Supreme Court decision, finding there, you know, is an individual right to keep and bear arms, they cite to the work, uh, work of Swords and Blades of the American Revolution, written by a, a dear friend of mine, um, George Newman, who I've known for many, many years. He is the authority on Revolutionary War weapons and accoutrements, and his collection is actually on display at Valley Forge. Wow. So, But here he is cited in the Heller decision regarding swords and blades of the American Revolution. Nice. And that came through the Oregon case of Kessler, where uh, and another case followed through Delgado, where 
uh, knives were found to be protected under the Second Amendment. Very good. So here in New Hampshire, we have an as a, a bill that has been primary sponsor is Representative Jennifer Coffey, who will be speaking here at the Liberty Forum. And I She's bet great. you she'll love to talk to you guys and has... A fellow free stater fellow who free ran stater. for office and is, was one of a new batch of free staters to get into the state legislature in New Hampshire. That's right. And Jen has put forward uh, the bill that removes the archaic knife laws of New Hampshire. And that's the really committee finding in which the bill that removes these archaic laws so that we will have complete um, knife freedom in terms of no malum prohibitums of carry, possession, possess with intent to sell, transport, none of that for knives. So if you're a law-abiding citizen... And, and swords. And yeah. swords, yeah. Right, because yes. I, I saw in one of the laws that you're not allowed to have a sword cane. I, 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 you know, I, I, one of those no, no. James no, Bond... What happened was, no, 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 no. New Hampshire, uh, at one point, prohibited that. Yeah. Yes. But sword canes were removed from this section that's okay. now banned switch knife, dagger, dirk, and stiletto. You know, right now, it is illegal in New Hampshire to carry a switch knife dagger dirk or stiletto the entire highland games festival is in is illegal is illegal because all carrying scottish dirks and here that great festival of this great state and that is specifically banned from carrying and or selling wow now, it's my understanding you can carry them um if you are hunting that you can have one um but Who's to define when I'm hunting and when I'm not? Well, you have to actually be hunting. So during the time when you attempt to carry it to the place of hunting, you are yeah, you're illegal. I actually represented an individual who was a dealer for ten years, ridiculous, and was charged with illegally selling a switchblade. And I uh, made it clear to the prosecutor. I said, so in other words, as long as he was uh, set up to sell them out of his duck blind or his deer stand, <laughs> he'd be okay. But otherwise, because we have these exemptions, but it's Ill illogical and irrational well, as to how they're applied. You know, Evan, the, the entire spectrum of the laws are inappropriately applied. They are illogical. They're, they, what gets me about it is that people seem to have this disassociative disorder when it comes to looking at firearms, and they don't look at the same thing when it comes to any other type of arm. And, for example, uh, how, how would you describe to people various decisions about the Second Amendment, say the Heller case, or the case that's coming up regarding the incorporation doctrine and things like that, and how other types of armaments have been viewed? Uh, they seem to be a separate body altogether. Well, I can tell you that one of the best, actually what's interesting is the Oregon court, which is one of the early courts to find that the state right to keep and bear arms in Oregon, hmm. protected firearms uh, and knives as well. In that decision, they answered one of the questions that anti-gunners like to throw at you in an argument. Well, should you be able to have a nuclear bomb? Mm -hmm. You know, they like to take an extremist. Uh, but, you know, whether you want to argue hypothetically whether we should or not, the thing is the Second Amendment would not allow that. And there's a reason. Because historically, weapons of mass destruction were a community-owned weapon. The cannon was not owned by the individual. It was community-owned. Personal armament. What, when it says a well-regulated militia, regulated meant equipped. And what makes you equipped with your personal armament would be your firearm and knife and hatchet, etc. So that was personal armament, and that's what was protected, not community weapons. 
So you don't think a guy should be able to have a cannon in his front lawn? Well, I'm not saying that because <laughs> yeah, I'm for uh, well, I have yeah. a philosophy, but I am talking about uh, what the Second Amendment would, in fact, have been in the minds of the founding fathers well, okay. when I, they when they uh, enacted. I it. have to say I have a slight disagreement with you, Evan, and it's a totally uh, friendly right. disagreement because there were personal cannons that were owned by people. A lot of the Smithies actually had small cannons that they and and you know people like John Hancock designed some of these things. Well, uh, yeah, and and not that they would necessarily have been banned or that an individual wouldn't have had it. And I think mm. we could make an argument that possibly cannons or smaller mortars or even uh, grenades could should be individual armament. I don't think you but, can make the uh, same but, argument but, for nuclear weapons. But, uh, I yeah, right. but, 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 but community, but the large, really, uh, you know, uh, when Knox brought the cannons from the, sure. well, he didn't personally own them, he went and brought them down. You know, this was, and there was a community-owned and community effort in obtaining for the most part. But, hey, you know, I, I, that doesn't mean I, I'm all for ownership of uh, yeah. cannons. Not yeah. a problem. There are many, matter of fact, some of the great, you know, reenactments that take place in the state are people that personally owned uh, cannons today. You got it. Yeah. Now, let, let's not get too far off on cannons. I want to talk about uh, save, <laughs> yeah, save your true, knife true. rights. Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, what are you guys doing to protect knife rights, and what are your websites so people can well, learn? Uh, yeah, and and why to, should people care about oh, knife rights? Oh, well, this is, uh, you know... Right now, uh, there is an anti-knife movement in the United Kingdom that is so extreme, going after everything from pointy kitchen knives, pointy kitchen knives, pointy kitchen knives to uh, uh, every type of pocket knife, to seizing uh, edged weapons from museums and collections, and they have bins that they set up where you need to surrender your knives. So uh, the media is is uh, uh, a co-conspirator in this, and they have put forward what's called the Knives Take Lives campaign. And, um, you know, so I set up, for example, on Facebook, I just set up the uh, knife rights uh, when I looked, uh, looked at Facebook. And I saw that there was the Knives Take Lives campaign out of London. They had 30,000 members. Oh, Good Lord. This is in order to take away your well, knives. So what, you know, they're, they're so anti-rights. So before that crosses the pond and gets here, we need to protect our knife rights and take the step. And here in New Hampshire... With this bill, 1665, we will be the one of the freest knife uh, states in the country when this passes. And look, that's why I came to New Hampshire to try to make it freer. Mm-hmm. That's why Jen's here. That's why we, you know, that's what we're all about. Thank so you. we can knock out a malum prohibitum of any sort. That's what we look to do. How do they find them? Yeah. How do they find you on the internet? Oh, thank you. The uh, yeah, the website, which is very thorough, and you really enjoy going to it. It's Knife Law Online. Knife Law Online, you know, one uh, dot com, right? And it's not Knife Laws, not plural. That'll take you to a different site. But Knife Law Online will bring you up to the New Hampshire Knife Rights Bill. We have, uh, and people nationally, this is national in its effect. We have uh, incredible national support, not only the Knife Magazines, but Guns Magazine, American Handgunner. We have national organizations, Citizens Committee, Right to Keep Bear Arms. We have uh, many famous people that are backing us, Grover Norquest is on with a quote supporting. I mean, we have uh, a national uh, eye is on New Hampshire to uh, see this pass and see this freedom. Evan Knappen, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Pleasure. Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. 
HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL as in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Gar. And tonight we're doing something a little different. We're here at the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum, and it's a great time, and we're doing interviews back to back to back. Um, You can call in, but... We're going we're gonna to stick with most of our interviews here, and we'll try to squeeze right. you in. So, but before we do that, I want to tell you about Jurisdictionary. In every contest, there are rules, and every winner knows those rules and how to use them. Jurisdictionary.com explains to the average person how to use the rules of the court system step by step. The average eighth grader in less than 24 hours can figure out how to you know, navigate the, the legal system, and this was written by a lawyer, a doctorate of jurisprudence, I guess he's a JD, and uh, you can go find out more at jurisdictionary.com. It is, uh, it, you know, you can fight tickets this way, and it's cheaper than the cost of uh, most tickets, jurisdictionary.com. All right, well, we've been uh, broadcasting live from the Liberty Forum in Nashua, New Hampshire, right near the Massachusetts border. Very close, makes me nervous. Yeah, well, I, I, can, feel the, 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 I can feel the heat of the state just radiating That's right, the that's right. You've got to watch your pockets, they might get picked. They've got <laughs> long reaches. But uh, anyway, uh, we've been uh, just surrounded by some great people, and if you listen to Free Talk Live, you know... And you that, must be, because uh, you're hearing this. Absolutely. Um, you know, if this is your first time, then welcome. But uh, if you're a regular listener to the Free Talk Live, then you know... That uh, one of the great uh, new new uh, names on the scene has uh, been mentioned numerous times on Free Talk Live, and that is the School Sucks podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, Jason Osborne from SACL CAI, who uh, sponsors our phone lines and is uh, quite the angel to our show. He's uh, he awesome. sponsors uh, School awesome. Sucks, and that's because he ferrets out the very best in the Liberty Movement, and he supports them. Yes, he's awesome. And uh, if you haven't heard this. Get over to iTunes and look up School Sucks. Get on to Podomatic and check it out. It is awesome. And right now, we have Brett, the man behind the School Sucks podcast, sitting here with us, taking a little time out from all the things that have been going on here. Brett, thanks for coming in, my man. How are you? Oh, good to be with you. It's great to have you here. Uh, first, why don't we talk a little bit about what inspired you to come to New Hampshire and then inspired you to create what I think is probably one of the best audio productions that anybody can listen to on the Internet right now. It is superb. It is so good. School sucks, everybody. It is awesome. Why don't you tell people about what your thought process? Well, my story is actually interesting. I came to New Hampshire in 1980 uh, as a little boy. Uh, I left to go to college. I lived in some other states, such as Vermont, uh, New York, and Massachusetts. So I got a taste of what, Great choices. what surrounds New Hampshire. and Slightly different flavors of socialism. Yeah, if that's any indication of what happens when you go even further away from New Hampshire. It's not. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, I was glad to get back here in, uh, in 2007, and uh, I just moved from the seacoast to the Manchester area. Uh, I've worked in education for a long time, the better part of the last 10 years. Uh, in addition to that, I've done my own research uh, and... Uh, investigations on the the topic of public education, the origin, its intentions, 
And um, I'd been doing some work with Wes Bertrand from uh, Complete Liberty Podcast. Wes is out in San Diego. Yeah, Wes is a super genius, yeah, too. Yes, yeah, awesome. super yeah. genius. Yeah. And uh, he and I started uh, talking about this idea of doing a show or, or some more content specifically about education. So um, never considered myself very tech savvy, but as I started to look into that, as soon as I figured out how, how do you upload an MP3 to the Internet and how do you... Uh, record your voice on a computer, I started it uh, about eight months ago. And these are all ideas that I had, uh, you know, it, they were kind of backed up. Uh, I've been putting them together over a number of years. Well, the, sound, the sound quality of it is fantastic. Really? Uh, it's, it's really good. And the content, what I really love is it's just you listen to, to the School Sucks podcast. You listen to Brett, and, and he has conversations with Wes. He's had a conversation with me. He's talked with Ian. He, you know, you you spread your wings and you contact these you these people. You know, you flit and you you get in touch. But at the same time, you yourself provide some very interesting and I think challenging questions to anyone who has been brought up in the public school government school systems. Because unless you can really give be seen a glimpse from the outside. You're not going to get this sort of thing. It's very difficult to think out of the box when you're brought up inside that box. How do you how do you approach it when you when you explain to people, look, uh, this is what school sucks is all about. Well, you know what I what I really think is important about it is um, I um, interesting story. I was uh, on my I was in Boston commuting to Boston years ago when I lived in Massachusetts. So. Commuting to Boston during rush hour to train a group of teachers how to get certified, if yeah. you can imagine a less satisfying day all around. <laughs> and um, this was probably 2006. I heard the three of you guys uh, talking about education oh, wow. on this show. It was one of the first times that I had listened to the show. Cool. And I was really surprised. I said, wow, other people talk about this stuff and, and know about this stuff? And I thought that was terrific. And, you know, I always think about how... Throughout history, so many people might have um, formulated these ideas, these revolutionary ideas, but when they didn't have the kinds of tools for communication and information that we have today, they, they might have just retreated back to some kind of uh, position that was a little bit more safe and a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And I think that this sentiment that school sucks is certainly very common uh, in high school and maybe even middle school. Uh, but the power and the truth behind that statement, that school takes these things out of people, the, the individualism, the creativity, the curiosity, our best attributes that we have when we're little, oh, yeah. by the time we're 18, gone. And how did we get many people? I, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. How did we get the, the, the monolith of mono, the monopoly that we have on education currently? Because uh, although you don't have to send your, your uh, little waif to the, um, the public educational system, you must fund it. How did we get it? How did the... How did it come about? Right. How did, oh, the, state, how did the state get it, essentially? <laughs> yeah. Um, that goes all the way back to Harvard, Harvard uh, College in Massachusetts well, in the 1600s. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the, the origins, they, they kind of come together in a confluence in the latter half of the, the 19th century. Obviously, we know that there's a strong religious influence, uh, the fear of people coming to the United States from other places, other cultures, other beliefs that they wanted to kind of press them into a, a mold. They're attacking yes. us. Yeah, yes. well, well they <laughs> no, wanted The Protestants didn't like the Catholics big time. They Exa didn't want them coming in in the late 1800s. Yeah. Exactly. As Rothbard points out, the Ku Klux Klan was a big spearhead for that, for, for that very same reason. Amazing. They uh, wanted to uh, 
stamp out Catholicism because they were worried that those people had, you know, their their highest loyalty to the Pope, to the Vatican, and yeah. not to the United States. That's and what my mom said about uh, JFK. Like the warning, you know, the sort of the warning was, and I could I could hear it in her voice. It still bothered her the idea that Catholic might have been uh, voted in. You know, like it, it was it was to her it was a revolutionary idea, mm. even though she told me in the seventies, and of course JFK had been killed in sixty three. And you, you know, Brett, when, and, and, and once again, folks, it's School Sucks, the School Sucks podcast. Check it out. Subscribe to it at iTunes, please. Go to podomatic.com, School Sucks podcast uh, website. SchoolSucksProject.com, and we're getting ready to have a uh, completely revamped website launched hopefully within the next couple of weeks. It's it's amazing because, you know, I do the podcast. We're going to bring you in over at Liberty Conspiracy very soon. Mm-hmm. And the what you said, you know, the individuality being crushed out of kids and at the same time being indoctrinated not only to not question the state, but to loud and applaud statist tendencies, the crushing of individual rights, the destruction of the Constitution of the United States, the destruction of individual liberty. You've got you've got history that you and I talked about, uh, praising FDR, saying that all these policies he did were so wonderful. So in addition to that, that that idea of well, the state is good and, and government education is good. You've got iconic figures that are raised up by, by these people. Well, yeah, that what, what happens, what, what I think the basic uh, function of the curriculum is, at least in history anyway, is that it personifies government through these heroic people. Mm. And it, it seems like the, the criteria for becoming a hero is um, how much they, uh, you know, kind of trampled on the rules that were put down for them to follow. When yeah. you when you yeah. talk about the great presidents, and, and I, I think you can leave Washington out of this one a little bit, when you talk about the great presidents, it's always the presidents that did the most. Always the presidents that were responsible for the most Americans that died on their watch. Aggrandizing Those power. are the ones that are great. Yeah. Uh, you know, FDR, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, World War II. Abraham War II. Lincoln, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt, Lyndon Wilson. Johnson, yeah. and all these guys. And yeah. unfortunately, when, when the only tool you have for doing things is violence, uh, those probably aren't very good people that you're talking about, even though they're reinvented as heroes in our history curriculum. Uh, Brett, uh, at School Sucks, what kind of alternatives do you do you mention to people? Uh, you know, because they've, they're brought up the yellow school bus, local town, hey, the federal government's going to uh, come in and help us out here. We've got special education. You get all these things mixed together. What direct line do you get to them to say, think, in, think outside the box, different paradigm? Um, well, I, I think one of the, the, the questions that I've often encountered is, well, what would you, what would your idea, idea be for a system to take its place? Which is, of course, uh, a question that can't be answered. Be um, answered in the marketplace. Exactly. But the idea that I could centrally plan education awesome. for millions of people in perpetuity uh, is, a, is a question that I can't answer. It's a trap question. Free Talk Live. Attention, active and separated U.S. military personnel. This message is just for you. You're entitled to benefits that are not available to the general public. You deserve them. Your family deserves them. And we want to make sure you know about them. This is Tim Lewis of iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Did you know VA programs can allow you to buy a home with no down payment? Or refi with cash out up to 100% of your home's equity? And, because of your service to your country, it's usually easier to qualify for a VA loan than a conventional loan. On your feet! And get all the details at varadio.com. 
iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com or call 800-900-VA-LOAN. varadio.com Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Gar. And we're doing a special uh, all-interview uh, session of Free Talk Live. We're here at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum in 2010, as if you didn't know what the year was. And there have got all kinds of speakers, dozens of speakers. And we've been grabbing as many of them as we can to uh, do interviews here. And um, here we have with us uh, Peter. Um, now, you came with the Liberty Caravan. Yes, I did. All right, tell us, uh Tell us what the Liberty Caravan is and uh, about it. So um, the Liberty Caravan was an idea for, originally it was just my wife and I, to move from San Jose, California to New Hampshire um, for the Free State Project. Um, we talked to a friend of ours, and um, she decided to join us. Another friend heard about it. Can I document it with video? Sure. So now there's four of us. When did this um, start? It started around uh, the end of August last year. Mm. And um, so it's, when we left San Jose, there was five of us. We picked up three more people along the way, and four of us are movers. So there's a total of eight of us when we actually rolled into New Hampshire. Did you uh, chronicle all this information? We did. We, we posted as much um, content as we could on libertycaravan.com. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't do as much as we had hoped. But, you know, we it's were crazy making all, a of our, all of our possessions, our cat. Um, it, was, it was quite a trip. How'd the cat make the trip? That's across uh, the country. Lost the cat for about an hour and a half in Memphis. Oh, um, he was sweet. he was hiding, Aww. but uh, that was probably the scariest part of the trip. Which it absolutely is. You're, you're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. The cat just ran away, and I am only halfway uh, to where I'm going. I, you know, fact, do I leave? You know, Johnny Cash, that whole line, I shot a man in Memphis just to watch him die. It was originally lost a cat in Memphis <laughs> just to watch him die. I thought that's what it was. Reno. No, I don't remember. And it always made me wonder, the, the you know, the, the Folsom right. Prison Reno, Blues, yeah. how exactly do you shoot a man in Reno, Nevada, and end up in prison in California? <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. crazy federal laws. Yeah. So they now, swipe the song anyway. And, and <laughs> for, for anybody who's, who's sort of unfamiliar, you know, maybe they're they're hearing us, Mark, and they're saying, okay, uh, Free State Project, the, the Porcupine, um, Liberty Forum, New Hampshire, Live for Your Die State, you guys getting involved with the caravan. Uh, why don't you explain to people what inspired you to get involved to coming, you know, hearing about the Free State Project and saying, you know what, you know, what are your principles that make you say I'm leaving behind what I had and I'm coming here? For the, for the most part, it was a, an, a desire to be more consistent with reality. And um, consistent so much, with reality. So much of the way that um, we act is built up over the years of um, – of so much indoctrination in the school oh, system, right, right. and um, there's a there's a lot of taxes that we have to pay, and the idea that this is just the way that things are. I don't think that that's the human nature. Yeah. I don't think that's part of the human condition. And so when I thought, how can we actually be consistent from end to end and act in such a way that everyone can live, and um, came across libertarianism, came across a free state project, and it sounded like a very good idea. It sounded like something that I could definitely get behind. Yeah, it's it's amazing too. Once you realize these ethics, these principles, and I'm you know you express these things at LibertyCaravan.com, and and 
you join up with other people, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, you feel the same way I do. Yeah, you want to leave people alone. You Wh- know? What? That's craziness around here. <laughs> and But it, it is it is such a true, common feeling, and that's one of the nice things when you come here. Um, so now that you've been here, what, what what's happening over the website, and what kind of things do you think people can find over at the website when they So when they we're hoping to, to document more um, accurately how much it actually costs to move from California to New Hampshire. Um, we moved, uh, there were four cars total mm. with eight people, mm. and um, some people had um, towed a trailer from Oklahoma City. Some of us had packed all of our things into a, a big cube and had it shipped here. We got the price for how much it would take to tow a U-Haul trailer. So we're hoping to put some of that documentation up. Um, there's a lot of good videos as to why people are making the move and, and what was actually involved. Wow. It's, it's, it's terrific. You know, uh, the, I, th- I, I think that what stands out for me for the Free State Project is when you're living elsewhere and you believe in the ideas of liberty, the, the ideas that uh, you shouldn't bother people that don't bother other people, yeah. is the abject hopelessness of what it's like to live elsewhere. Now, I'm not saying that in New Hampshire the government's perfect and they leave people alone that haven't other, harmed other people or anything like that. But once you get here, you find that other people, uh, there's a lot of other people that believe exactly like you do. They're doing things about it. And, you know, you can just plug right into their activism. You can create your own if you wish. Yeah. And there's an opportunity for hope. And I think that hope begins to flower, um, you know, over time. I think I find that people that first move are outraged. They're upset because they've seen so many things going wrong for so long, um, you know, across America and in their community. And they get here and they're kind of, uh, you know, they, they want to change things. But the, the only thing they've got that's driving them at that point is their anger. Yeah. Um, and but once they get here for a little while, then it's the you know, the the hope is beginning to spring in them, and they're not so angry, and and then they can communicate with people better. The hey, thing, the yeah. thing that really um, sold New Hampshire for us was the was Pork Fest, the Porcupine Freedom Fest. Oh, right. awesome, we it? came last year for the first time, and um, my wife was really concerned about what if I don't really like people? What if they what if they're mean? What if they you know anarchy? This is kind of crazy. Um, and we met hundreds in th- in hundreds of people that were just so pleasant and I actually brought my parents along and they had a fantastic time. It's one of the few groups uh, in which you can have really rich, rewarding conversations. You know, people always say, "Oh, I turn to talk radio to get the to get the news and have a real have real information." And this goes the radio. beyond that. Yeah, this this goes into philosophy. This goes into your daily practice and your daily lives, and it's it's terrific. Pete, while you're here, uh, and people, of course, they can go to libertycaravan.com. Uh, why don't you? Can you tell us some of the things that are on your mind, especially here in New Hampshire, uh, that are important to you as you've come to New Hampshire? You see on the federal front and the, the state front that people might want to keep in mind themselves, or maybe they, you think that uh, they're thinking about. The, the biggest draw for me in New Hampshire is the community of people that are here. Yeah, there are things that are possible here because of that community that I don't think that people would otherwise take the risk and try. Um, and, and really not crazy things, but just I'd like to go and try to grow my own food. And there are people here who want to be more self-reliant. Maybe they want to um, petition their, their local government for lower taxes. That actually happens here. Um, there's, there's the breadth of, of possibilities. Is just now, endless. on the growing food thing, though, Peter, I mean, you know, growing it yourself, I mean, you might not be licensed. And <laughs> it could be dangerous. I mean, I don't even know whether you should cut your own food. You could choke. You could mm. choke. We'll just we'll grind it up for you. Is that okay? 
there's this company called Gerber's. It's good stuff. It's oh, good I've stuff. Tried it. it's I think they'll soon be introducing the ground up food legislation bill, and uh, they'll be the beneficiaries of it. But it'll help you out a lot. It'll be great. And it, it, so this sort of self reliance thing, as you said, people are brought into the world as as children who are in the, relying on their parents and so on. And then there's this artifice put over it that the state, the government is there to do all these things. Have you found that even when it claims to do things like protect you and do things like that, it falls short of the mark and, and that itself is a facade as well? See, in today's, um, in today's world with the, the government that we have, if I wanted to take full responsibility for my own life, I'm not allowed. If I yeah. want to grow my own food and just basically opt out, of all of the services that government provides, the police protection, the fire protection, if I'm not interested in paying for them, it, that's too bad. You need to pay for them. And if you don't, we will come after you with guns and make you pay for them because it's for your it's own for good. It's for your own good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I love that uh, the idea that they're going to uh, you know, serve us by holding guns on us and making them pay them. Um, you know, They don't generally hold the guns right away, but you know they're there. Yeah, and you, look, you look at the health care thing right now. It's for your own good that we're going to take your money for you. If you're pro-choice, well, you say you have to control over your body, but, uh, well, we're going to control the health care for your body. Uh, it's, it's amazing how people in the political world can, I mean, it's, it's a classic definition of insanity, hold two completely opposing ideas simultaneously. And uh, what I like, Peter, and, and maybe you can comment on this as well, is getting involved with libertarian circles, people try to be consistent. They say, okay, if I think this, then what follows? Uh, once again, what's the website? LibertyCaravan.com. Peter, thank you. Thank we you. will uh, take our uh, breako and uh, come back from the Liberty Forum in Nashville, New Hampshire. <laughs> Free Talk Live-O after El Breako. <laughs> DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Mark Wittin. And Guard. And uh, we're live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. We're doing things a little different. We're doing uh, one interview after another. And, uh, you know, this evening, we, uh, we've been, man, who have we, we've interviewed so many different people. Yeah. Evan Knappen yeah. from First uh, Hour. It's so many great people. It's been basically three or four people an hour. It's out of control. That's how many great interview subjects there are here. And then you have all the other people who are here. Who believe in freedom? And you can have conversations that would just go into the next day. So now we have with us uh, Pasha Roberts from uh, Silver Circle, uh, the, the new movie. Tell, tell us about uh, the oh, movies, cool. Pasha. I saw these guys before. This is great. Come on up to the mic, you cool cats. <laughs> Megan, Pasha, good to have you here on Free Talk Live. Well, thanks for having us here. It's a great conference. Uh, a lot of great people here. A lot of great energy. Yeah. And uh, basically, I, you know, our thing is we're trying to create entertainment in a liberty-oriented vein. I mean, we're 
making a feature-length movie um, about economic disaster and the rebels who fight back against oh, the now, Fed. Now, I don't know, Pasha, that sounds like fantasy. Economic mm. disaster. Uh, <laughs> what? Ah, <laughs> How could that happen in America? Yeah. Just wait till you see the way we spin it, though. We hope nobody gets any ideas for policy. Uh, that, uh, you know, there's uh, stuff that gets pretty, it gets pretty bad. Listen, just uh, I know, I, you know, here we are on the radio. Uh, just on a personal note, I really want to talk to both of you after this because this has been a very close issue for me uh, a lot of people know personally that I come from a script writing background out in LA and uh, to see the new media arising and to see how you can fit the ideas of liberty into that it was very very difficult for me to do that I won't go on but I want to talk to you afterwards this definitely is a great our project. script is in its final rev now and yeah. uh, maybe I'll get you to read it because it's it, Tell- it's really it we found like uh, I can't give his name right now because but the, I have we found like the one free market scriptwriter in L.A. credited uh, WGA, although we're not All WGA because right. we're animation. Thing. But the um, um, but he's you know lived in Argentina during hyperinflation, so he knows about how people deal with currency during heavy inflation. Um, I, I'm, we're just so lucky to have this guy. Can you give us any ideas on uh, a little a few kernels of the story and then where people can find you, how you came up with the uh, the concept, and how you move forward to do this? As, as we know, it's a changing world in the uh, mass media. So you've got an idea. You say, okay, first we've got to start with the story. Then we've got to figure out how we're going to get it to people. Uh, you say the story is the basic economic devolution of a society. Uh, tell us more about this. Devo. Yeah, yeah devolution. <laughs> We're working really hard to do a lot of social networking and get it out everywhere on the blogs um, really early into the process. We have another year of work to go on it. I let Megan talk about what we're doing with the social networking. But in terms of the story, um, you know, it's a thriller romance. I mean, there's rebels, there's there's fire, there's explosions. The, the only... Um, spoiler that we're giving away is that we blow up the Federal Reserve building at the end of the movie. So oh. there's a happy ending. So, so Megan, what's, what's your what's your role in the project? Um, I'm actually going to be taking care of most of the websites, um, really interacting with the fans for the most part because we do have a long production trail ahead of us. So we'll we'll be releasing a graphic novel. Um, here in a couple months, which is really going to hopefully engage the audience and bring in another type of community, which is kind of overseen sometimes, which is the comic community, which can overlap into the libertarian community. Mm. And uh, also we're going to be doing just anything interactive as possible. There's some possible casting calls we've been talking about, being an extra and getting animated for the film. Mm. Um, so like voice work? Yeah, they'll be no, voiceover. Right. Or do you tie those little gizmos to them so you can track them on the computer? No, or or if you're good to us and we, we think you're, you'd be a good rebel, we can take your picture and turn you in, into an animated character and put you in the movie with no acting or no voice required. Because oh, we, need, we need pictures of people. So I'm sure you won't have trouble getting pictures of people here at uh, the at the Liberty Forum. Hey, uh, I should ask, how do you have uh, presence online already? I assume you must already. I bet. And uh, how do people find out these first initial pieces of information about the, this cool project? All right. Well, first and foremost, if you've been following along on the New Hampshire Liberty Forum hashtag on Twitter, we've been tweeting away all weekend. You can find us at Silver Circle M O V. On, on the Twitter website. Also, our fan page is blossoming very quickly. We're over 1,300 people right now, which That's is great. incredible, and we That's haven't great. even released the movie yet, which this is, is awesome. Great. People are excited about the idea. 
And um, also, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and also we have a blog a blog page right now, and, and the website, of course, at SilverCircleMovie.com. SilverCircleMovie.com, fantastic. Uh, okay, uh, Mark. This is just such a great subject to me. The Liberty <laughs> yep, Forum sure. is so cool. Libertarianism is so cool. Let's ask both of you. Um, it, we'll, we'll go back to Megan first to start off, and then we'll, we'll go back to you. Um, libertarianism, the idea of individual liberty and freedom, uh, what attracted you to the, to the ideology? The logic. Really? The logic behind it. It makes sense. It was not inconsistent. No. <laughs> I, I, and that's one thing that I... I going to use the cliche, Ron Paul brought me in because his message was the same over and over. There was no twists and turns. He kept saying the same thing over and over again. And then once you dig more deeper into the subject matter, it's logic and consistency. This is awesome. Basha, you? I, I actually come in from the... Um Oh, instructional. I come in really from the economics and finance side. Um, you know, I started flirting with this movement. Um, yeah, aside from political stuff, you know, looking at think tanks and that kind of thing, and have really moved deeper and deeper into the liberty movement as as we go. Um, but the thing that just upsets me is the level of economic discourse and the level of economic ignorance that's oh. kind of out there. And and some of these concepts that people are, we're dealing with uh, are, you know, aside from being being deadly uh, in terms of inflation, there's um, some really cool stuff and cool ideas running around. You know, what happens when the if oil goes off of the dollar and the, the U.S. dollar loses international, uh, you know, uh, currency? Or, or what does alternative currency look like? Our, our the reason we call it silver circle is that we the rebels mint their own silver coins and use it as um, to fight inflation as as part of the way they get credibility with the people. Even though it's the Coin Act of 2016, of course, makes Coins illegal, just like they did in uh, 2000. I mean, in 1933. Yeah. But um, even though they, they do this anyway. You know, um, I remember I called in on a local radio show. It's been a it, whenever the bailout was going on uh, under the Bush administration. Fall of 08. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was, uh, you know, kind of complaining about, uh, you know, that how the basically they're taking money from poor people to pay rich people for their mistakes. And um, the the host was like, well, I guess we've got to do it. Because that's the level of ignorance that it comes to, to, to economics in this country. She had no idea what's happening, but we must have to do it because the politicians in Washington say so. Well, that's because the people that give them uh, you know, campaign money tell them that that's what they're supposed to say. And if oh, they yes. don't, they're not coming back. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the central ideas. I mean, uh, Robert Hicks goes through this in the crisis in Leviathan, uh, which is basically every time there's a crisis, you know, government grows in power, people grab more power. And sometimes the crises are completely manufactured. Uh, sometimes they're just made up. Um, so we have series and series of this going on inside the movie until you know the Federal Reserve's power and reach is um, is, is way beyond anybody. Uh, people keep saying Fed is bad, but wait till you see it in our movie. It's totally, totally bad. You've got me. You've got me intrigued. And uh, I guess what I what I really should do, Mark, is can you give us a quick thumbnail sketch without revealing too much of the setup for this to get people attracted over? There? You better do it in about ten seconds. Yeah. What you got? Futuristic America, hyperinflation, hot girl kissing. There's a, basically the core of the story is that there's a um, there's a series of arsons uh, and uh, there's an investigator that tracks it all down. The hot girl gets involved inside of that scenario and um and not only is she hot she's incredibly intelligent and badass there you go <laughs> we're trying to get her into the low from the last margins of the land of big brother comes a new pro-freedom website 
the UK libertarian rails against the country's ridiculous regulation, its crumbling national health service, its disintegrating government schools, and the political parasites leeching more of our freedom every single day. Visit us at www.theuklibertarian.com. Free Talk Live. We are coming to you live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum 2010. And uh, it's not like we're deviating just a little bit from our, our normal way of doing things. Um, and we're doing interview after interview after interview because there's so many people here that uh, that, we, that we need to talk to. Absolutely. And so, so many valuable insights right. in Liberty Forum. It's, <laughs> it's Mark with you. And Gard. And take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Also, all of your search results, each of them has a, a proxy link underneath, and you can go to the website and be private there. Usually you have to pay for these proxy services, but Startpage gives it to you for free at startpage.com. Yeah, we're going over there a lot more. It's, uh, it's great. Yep. It's awesome. So uh, we've got with us uh, William Kostrick. William, you uh, you came to man. You came to fame Hello. on the uh, the national scene by toting a gun at the uh, uh, at President Obama's speech, and and, the- and William, you were able to battle the spittle of Chris Matthews as he attacked you on television. Well done. That's all fine and good. Just don't expect valuable insights from me. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing valuable insights tonight. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, it was good to have you here, William. So, Thank you. Yeah. Quickly tell people, uh, you know, what happened, and kind of recap, and then uh, I've got some more questions for you. Uh, wow, quick recap. We got up at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, I lived uh, two hours away from the seacoast, and we had to pick up some people on the way. So we'd gotten up early, and uh, we picked everybody up. We got there about eight eight thirty. It was pouring down rain. We we thought the whole day was going to be a bust. We sat in the in the car for two hours waiting for it to break. It finally broke. Sun came out. It turned into a beautiful day. Um, we, we had a, a great rally, and um, I mean, what else to say? The rest is on video. Well, yeah, it, it, that well, it for, is. But for those people who haven't seen it, um, in New Hampshire, it is legal to carry a firearm out in the open. Open um, carry, right? As long as you are not a convicted felon, and uh, you, you can have it out there. And you did. And you had a, a sign, something about watering the tree of liberty, and that just got the the media all in a, a fluffer fat. And so they, they decided that they were going to drag you out and beat you over the head because you were a birther and a truther and whatever it is that they decided that uh, that you were as whatever conclusions they drew because you were uh, open carrying. Yes. Um, and interestingly, with Chris, I, I can only assume that the, they, they pushed the whole issue because they did figure it was going to be bad publicity for, for liberty types. Mm-hmm. And it, didn't, it didn't turn out that Not way. It all. turned out uh, – Online that and there was an overwhelmingly positive um, response to it. And I was it, it surprised me. And people it, across it, the it, nation were were following suit. They decided that you were uh, because you happen to be white and open carrying that you must be a bigot and um, that right and you didn't like Obama. There you go. There's well, there's some that's facts. It. There you go. Well, and, the the the, uh, the the joke of the matter is that uh, I'm, I'm I'm Puerto Rican and Slovak. Slovakian, so it's like that's America. good enough. You look white. Yeah, they, um, I look white, so <laughs> right. I, I must be racist. Yes, yeah, but the guy in Arizona that was open carrying, uh, he had an AR-15. Turns out he's black. He must be a bigot too. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Uh, yeah. You know, when I saw the conversation between you and Chris Matthews, I, and, and 
for you, it was it was an attempt at a conversation. For him, it was just you know laying out the sewer that comes out of that guy's mouth and brain. Um, what what struck me was that he kept saying, "You're at an event with the president of the United States, and you're don't you understand? You're there carrying a firearm, and you you've got a sign and." and he just sounded so ridiculous when you said, well, you know, this country was founded on the idea of self-protection, and I have the right to protect myself. It was ridiculous on so many levels. I think anyone who took the time to think about it would know the president travels in a bulletproof vehicle. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you going to do with a 9 millimeter? Not to it, mention that, but the guy that, the guy that's going to shoot the president isn't carrying his gun on his hip, right? <laughs> like the, the guys with the gun on, guns on their hips, the women with the guns on their hips, are not the ones you have to worry about shooting the president. Another good yeah. point, because I was trying to get a, across to him that I was by far not the only one there who was armed. Absolutely. And so they were only making a big deal. Because your gun because was out in the it, open. Because it was out in the open, but from a Secret Service president, if, if that's your concern, point of view, when you where you would rather deal with the guy who you well, can see where he is than the other half dozen people that I know of that were milling about the you crowd that treat, were armed and you couldn't see it. As, yeah. a, as a Secret Service person, you're going to have to treat every single person that gets to the president as if they're armed. I mean, that's, that's their that, job. That, sure. That's their job. So the guy that has the gun on their hip, on his hip, I you know, I mean, they may decide that it's. Threatening, but that would you know that that guy's not going to do um, that guy's not going to be the one that shoots the president. But you know, guys, the mentality of it was was what really struck me. His mentality is only those people who are agents of the government, right, are safe as you have right. the firearms to protect you, who have a right to protect yourself. So somehow you're too dangerous and too stupid right. to be able to exercise your right. But when you hand it off to someone else who's in the government who has the legal monopoly on force to take whatever he wants from you, then you really shouldn't show up with your firearm. Leave it to them. And that's frightening to me. They're just just—they're very used to pawning off the, their, um, the responsibility for their personal safety and that of their family on the rest of society. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm too lazy and or whatever to take responsibility for our security, and I want someone else to do it. And when you do it, it kind of shines the light on what they don't do, and yeah. that's uncomfortable. Now, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, so all this has happened, and, uh, you know, after the initial fallout, has there been any any kind of uh, fallout afterwards? I'm just wondering, you know, I, I, I would imagine the national spotlight kind of moves on and nobody says anything to you, but I'm just wondering. Uh, the the only thing that's, uh, that's been noticeable is that I come to Liberty events and and, again, I'm just blown away. That You're people, a rock star. People come up to me and say, Wow, you know that was it was so powerful, and everybody I know, and my mom saw it, and girls and, throwing their brazeers uh, at you. <laughs> it's like Tom Jones. <laughs> right. um, it, it, I'm, I'm blown away, and, and I'm a little bit embarrassed because I see that uh, many uh, activists that are here, they do so much more. I mean, they're out there every day, um, busting their butt for liberty, and, and but, you know what? It was not that big of a deal, and I but, think but, some know, people who work harder deserve some more recognition. Uh, but you know, William, in what you did, I'm sure a lot of other people wish they could be in that situation to get up there and try to battle these guys, and you know. You're trying. You're trying to think on your feet later on, doing all these interviews and so on. And you stand up pretty well. You know, yep. you're you're doing. And later on, I, you know, you and I spoke later on, and and you say, well, I could have done this, I could have done that. You did a great job. And what gets me is this. That was one of the early sparks in what has now become this whole Tea Party thing. 
it is it is now a huge national movement. Your face on that MSNBC up against Chris Matthews with the dribble on his lips, <laughs> you know, talking about rights inspired right. probably hundreds of thousands of other people to say, damn right, yeah. And, you know, and you did a great job. It's really emotional. And it could have been other, another person, but it was you. So good job. Now, I was very fortunate uh, that things went the way they did, which I couldn't, couldn't have asked for them to go any better, except uh, the only thing I would have wanted is for them to pan down a little and catch that Free State Project yeah. T-shirt a little bit better. <laughs> well, you, you did move here with the Free State Project a number of years ago. What was the year? Uh, two years ago. Okay. Almost, almost exactly. Yeah. Now. And. I, I remember, you know, we, you and I met early on. I see you occasionally around here. And um, do you have any thoughts for people? Because here you were with a big group of people. You were with a number of people. And uh, like I said, it was the spark of things. Here in New Hampshire, you find this it's very common. There's no doubt that uh, I always thought about doing these types of things and, and, and had certain, uh, you know, little bits of activism planted out in my head. But now that there's a community to support you, that, yeah, those things can, can become real. And, and that never would have happened if I'd have had to go there alone. Yeah. Just no way. Right on, right on. Well, it's it's terrific. I don't know what the next scene is going to be. No, how, how can we? But uh, the he way was you the right place at the right time, and, and, and he handled himself well. Absolutely right. And now, what, do you, yeah. what kind of message do you have for people that um, are that they, they, they want liberty for, um, for themselves and you know they're thinking about the Free State Project? What, what kind of message do you have for them? Uh, this is such a great event, and what's unique about it is that <clears throat> so many people we see at other events. They've they've done all of the Liberty events from you know we see them in D.C., we see them in St. Charles, we see them in Minnesota, we see them in Texas, we see them everywhere. But you ask them where, what's the most exciting, and 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 the events in New Hampshire, nothing else compares. We have the community. So come Perfect. to Porkfest, David. Absolutely. Yeah, check it out at freestateproject.org. Thanks for having me. Thanks. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Gar. And we are coming to you live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum here on Friday night. It will be uh, going on uh, tomorrow also. Uh, we just, I believe Judge Napolitano is currently giving his speech. We're all missing it, but, you uh, know, hey. That's true, that's true. We sacrifice for you, the, the listener. Absolutely. And we've been doing one interview after another here, and I, there's a guy in particular. Now, I've interviewed Charles uh, Johnson. I have interviewed you previously on the Edgington Post, which is kind of a mm -hmm. little thing I do on, my, on the podcast. But I haven't had you on Free Talk Live, and I wanted to make sure that we got you on because you kind of – come from a different angle when it comes to liberty and uh, you speak now <laughs> sure well so my name is charles johnson uh, i uh, maintain a blog the rad geek people's daily at radgeek.com uh, and i'm a member of the alliance of the libertarian left is the the major activist organization now i thought libertarians were really just the minor leagues for the Re republicans <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, the uh, the common view and something that we're trying to uh, to get some uh, get some challenge to. And you've made the statement, and I can't, I'm not going to disagree with it, which okay. is really unusual for me to <laughs> disagree on something. You've made the statement that you believe that liberty is, in fact, a, uh, that, that libertarianism is a left philosophy. I agree. Yeah. That's, Defend that. 
They've written it very well. <laughs> so uh, basically the, the idea here is that you have to look at sort of the history of these terms and how they came about. So left and right originally referred to the seating chart for the French National Assembly okay. uh, after the French Revolution. And on the right wing of the assembly, you had uh, the, the monarchists, you know, the conservatives, the people who believed that the, the power of the state was granted by God Almighty – uh, and that the state could could literally do no wrong because what they did was the definition of, of what was right. Absolutely. Okay. Whereas on the left you had the people who were the anti-authoritarians. The the in the middle left you had sort of the the liberals, the classical liberals, and as you got further out, people got more and more radical and more and more pro-freedom. So uh, Frederick Bastiat, the great uh, uh, free market economist, sat awesome. on the left, yeah. and so did Pierre Joseph Proudhon, uh, the great uh, one of the the first uh, theorists to call himself a, an anarchist. You know, now I've read a, a bit of uh, Proudhon to uh-huh. uh, somebody from the South. Um, I've, I've read a, a bit of him, and I found him confusing. I, I didn't sure. find him to be very consistent. Sure. Uh, well, I, th- I think he is consistent. He just writes in a funky way. He's very influenced by Hegelian philosophy in a way that causes him to write in uh, ways that are uh, not necessarily entirely clear if you're not familiar with that tradition. But you get um, a... a sort of a follower of Proudhon um, named Benjamin Tucker in the United States sure. who I think really yeah. lays out these ideas in a way that's very clear and sort of lays out uh, you know, how it is that, that the left in particular, um, as, as he sees it and as I think Proudhon saw it also, is um, you know, the, the real left-right spectrum is, is not a spectrum of like statists who want to bomb the hell out of you versus statists who... Um, you know, want to to send the the EPA after you and but, right. That, that, but that's the that's the dynamic that we get. That's in, right. In, yeah. That's right. Because it's been hitched up to electoral politics and in this particular way that you have sort of just you know two competing parties of status that are trying to get these terms. How the, did the left, um, the left worldwide? How did the mm-hmm. left get co-opted by the socialists? Yeah. Um, well, so that's that's a, a long story, and actually, I think that's partly about how the socialists got co-opted by the statists. So somebody like Tucker would consider himself a socialist, but what he was into was voluntary socialism, which meant um, uh, solidarity for between workers, mutual aid networks, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. happening at a grassroots level apart from the states, so right. not being forced on people. The stuff yeah, that the, uh, Andrew Jackson supported with his uh, his Democratic Party, that uh, you know, the, the Seminole Democratic Party. Just the, the same sort of stuff that uh, de Tocqueville noted when he came over in Democracy in America, the, the yes. voluntarist... Uh, notion and and you're right it has been co-opted mm-hmm. by the statists right and and so now if you if you talk to someone they say well I'm a social anarchist mm-hmm. uh, you say well really you can't have socialism per se in a political definition as it has been established and have anarchy at the same time they're not compatible within the state paradigm but That's, these guys right. it was compatible right so you you can't you can't have state socialism obviously if you don't have a state but you can have you know, de Tocqueville mentioned this, and, and there's a lot of really interesting history that, like, um, some guys like Roderick Long and David Beto have talked about of sort of um, grassroots mutual aid networks. When you leave people free to do their own thing and when you're not actually having government come in and give, you know, multi-trillion dollar bailouts uh, to, to big corporations, what people actually form up freely are these much more sort of smaller human-scale um, uh, you know, mutual aid networks and other kinds of grassroots institutions. Which, to me, Charles, is all part of the free market. Yes. It is the market. Exactly. It, it, you make your choices, you do things, whether it's for monetary compensation mm-hmm. or for um, the, for just the sentiment of helping your friend, mm-hmm. and then you are 
faced with him later, and mm-hmm. he faces you, and you end up reciprocating. That's the way it was done with all the different civic organizations, the Elks and all these things. And you clearly have an understanding of the the names and the figures that came along. Mm-hmm. Do you have a difficult time re-educating people, deconstructing this? Is it worth deconstructing the term socialist today mm-hmm. to say, look, a socialist is – in the in the early concept of it, a mm-hmm. leftist was a person who believed in laissez-faire, mm-hmm. who believed in markets. Or do you have to just say, you know what, I'm going to have to just drop that term. Um, I'm a left libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, socialism, I can't talk about it because it's been so so corrupted. Right. Yeah, well, th- that depends on the conversation and how much time you have and what kind of context. But but I find it very useful often to challenge people on these words and to start conversations about it because when people are confused about these words, there's usually a historical reason behind it. And I think that's true whether it's you know socialism you're talking about or capitalism or anarchism or any number of other things. But when you when you use these terms and when you use them in a deliberately provocative way, so like I'll go around saying I'm a free market anti-capitalist, for example, um, and you know the reaction you get from people is is you know huh what what do you, you know what do you mean make by much that? sense yeah and but of course when they ask huh what what do you mean by that why would you believe that that gives you the opportunity to start talking about well there's this difference between big business and, and government privilege, big business and free market. Do you think, Charles, that capitalism as it is known today and mercantilism as it was known in 1776 during Adam Smith's mm-hmm. era are pretty much synonymous nowadays? For example, I have a lot of friends over in the U.K. They're mm-hmm. hardcore, hardcore progressive statists. Sure. Uh, they believe in not the, they don't believe in the sanctity of the individual. They want right. redistribution of wealth. So these guys would say, "Well, I hate capitalism," mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and I'll say, "Well, no, no, capitalism is good. Uh, what you don't like is mercantilism." Mm-hmm. Are we at a point now where Sheldon Richmond even has said from Foundation mm-hmm. for Economic Education, he says, mm-hmm. "I don't even know if it's worth bothering using the term capitalism anymore because capitalism is so synonymous with government involvement in the marketplace." Yeah, and I think that's that's basically the way it plays out. Is when you talk about capitalism, the the thing that people will immediately uh, uh, move to is is mercantilist privilege and sort of you know the 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 existing patterns of big business that you see around you um, you know just sort of the economic system that we got the way yeah. it works yeah um, and you know I mean you can try and clarify oh well I mean you know uh, laissez-faire capitalism I mean free market capitalism I'm just interested in in like you know private ownership of the means of production etc but I think that actually um, uh, sort of Challenging the attempt to identify free markets and capitalism in the first place does help clarify that markets can include a lot of things. Like what's in a market that could include worker co-ops, that can include all kinds of things that are radically different from uh, big corporations. Now, the alliance of the libertarian left, would that include folks that uh, call themselves geo-libertarians? And what the heck is that? (laughs) Ah, there's a big question. It, It does include some people who are into that sort of thing. I'm not into that sort of thing, so, you know, I can only... Uh, I can only do so much by way of trying to spell out. Like, Alliance, it sounds like a big tent. Yeah, sure. It's a big tent, and it, it, it includes them because they also do put out a lot of good uh, good material on um, sort of corporate privilege and the way that that's been connected historically with uh, government land grabs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, historically that was things like, uh, you know, colonial land grants and things like that. Nowadays it's through, you know, eminent domain and government redevelopment initiatives and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and for people who aren't familiar with geo-libertarianism, I mean, these are all great terms. We could have such a great 
philosophical mm-hmm. conversations. Sure. Uh, that term has been brought up a lot in our conversations, uh, both on the show and over at my mm-hmm. website at Liberty Conspiracy, about Muse, uh, mm-hmm. Matt Bellamy, geo libertarian, uh, and it all has to do with whether or not private proper, whether or not land can be considered to be private property, right. or it it is all held in common, and mm-hmm. you're just a renter, and you have to give something up to to, to others to be able to use some it. organization right. that uh, will force you to give up the money, but exactly. it isn't government. Exactly, it's not that's, government. That's a tricky, <laughs> tricky sort of thing. And some some people have like Murray Rothbard wrote about it. Some people mm-hmm. believe should, there should be a cyclical nature to it. You that's can right. get it, then you have to give it up. Very difficult to me. Uh, we call that debt. Yeah, to me, most of that doesn't really matter mm-hmm. uh, because you're still dealing with human beings. I don't yes. know how you feel about it, Charles, but you know, in my opinion, all of this stuff is academic mm-hmm. because we can come up with our own agreements about how we're going to do it, and it, it's all based on the, the human, the, the nugget of individuality dealing with the other nugget of individuality and, sure, and, sure. and working it out themselves. That's you know, common yeah. law. It's, yeah, it's, and yeah. and uh, one of the one of the prominent writers within sort of ALL, this guy Kevin Carson. Uh, is is not himself a geo-libertarian, but he's very sympathetic to a lot of the things they're doing. And what he emphasizes is that these are things that can be worked out at a community level, and different communities may come to different conclusions. People can read more of your stuff at radgeek.com. That's Thanks. Charles Johnson. Thanks, Charles. Thank you so much for having okay. me on. Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Free Talk Live. We are coming to you live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum 2010, and it has been awesome. We've had a bunch of people on that uh, doing interviews here. Gardner is off trying to see if he can hunt down the big game of Judge Napolitano and see if we can get him on for an interview. Don't hang on. I'm not making any promises, but uh, right now I have with me Lee Doran. Lee, you are the crasher-in-chief of Bureaucrash. You came on uh, to, uh, to, to, to much... Uh, Caterwalling and back in June. Uh, tell me what uh, you're doing over there, Beer Crash. We've been doing a lot of activism events uh, since I came. We've been doing a lot of activism events since I came on. We got involved heavily uh, in a lot of the Tea Party rallies. Just last week, we had the fr- last free Kareem rally. As many people know, he was a blogger who was jailed for, I believe, four years for criticizing the Egyptian government. Uh, we were outside the Egyptian uh, embassy protesting. Sadly, his last uh, last appeal was rejected. And so we were out there showing solidarity for, for him. So how long is he going to be locked up for? 
It looks like until November, I believe. So it, we're hoping it'll be. They might have an appeal and it'll be out earlier than that. But it doesn't look very. They've good. had him locked up four years. I guess it doesn't really matter if it's March or November, right? Yeah. I mean, and and those Egyptian uh, prisons aren't exactly the nicest place to no, be. No, I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine they are at all. Um, what what other kind of uh, things are you doing at Beer, Beer Crash? Well, we do have a, a, a tentative plan, uh, which is a small event that we're we're looking to to do for students. Actually, uh, looking tentatively in July, where it's going to be uh, students are going to submit either through written essay or video or podcast how they can improve uh, activism uh, in their in their community, and then we're going to select ten people to come in for an activism workshop. Uh, sometime in July, and we're going to hopefully get some uh, really good speakers at, at this event. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's been amazing over the last couple of years. I mean, I mean, last couple of months because of just the grassroots networks that been, have been created by people who really have never been involved in in the movement. And it's, the tea parties are amazing, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, you know fertile ground out there for you guys to uh, to deal with as, with the teapot. With yeah, the and it makes it, it makes it really easy. Instead of, you know, trying to invent something out of nothing, you know, a lot of, it, it seems like almost every weekend there's something that you can get involved in, whether it's speaking at an event in front of students or actually having some sort of rally where you're protesting against uh, limited government. We actually had a funny situation where we were protesting against socialized medicine and the uh, Google Maps car drove by. So now we are permi- our protest is permanently on uh, <laughs> Google Maps if you zoom in on the satellites. So. Well, there you go. It's, 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 it's recorded for posterity. Yes. Where, where was uh, this protest? We, we just happened to pick. Uh, it was originally outside of Jim Webb's office, but it wasn't actually to lobby or anything like that to protest Jim Webb. But it was just we decided to pick at that corner, and we got with uh, about 60 people and just uh, got some signs against uh, socialized medicine. And it was it was fascinating how how fast it was put up on Google Maps and it's it's still there I believe so if you see the blurred out faces I'm wearing the enjoyed capitalism shirt and yeah. you know I I find that uh, I I have the enjoy capitalism shirt too and you know I I find that I get uh, very varied reactions uh, from people that uh, don't understand the term it seems like yeah it's it's a funny situation um I don't know if you know this is kind of a somewhat of a personal thing but uh, I I made a, a critique of the story of stuff. I don't know if you're familiar about it, but it's a leftist. George Carlin's? No, no. no. Magazine? No, no, no. It's uh, Annie Leonard. Uh, it's, uh, oh, the in, story of stuff. Yes. Yeah, it's a book. Yeah, yeah. It's a book and a video, and I made a critique of it. Yeah, and she hates our acquisitive nature yes. in capitalist America. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I actually went to her book signing um, and got her to you know sign the book that I bought of hers. Um, I made a critique of her so she already knew who I was, and I handed her an Enjoy Capitalism shirt. Um, and it was hilarious how angry she was because... She goes. Do you re- she actually said this to me. I'm not exaggerating. Do you know how many gallons of water it took to make this shirt? Um, so I mean, what about her book? Her, supposedly her book was made of soy ink and all all this stuff. So, but they had to transport it. Look, I, I'm not even going to try to understand. She the should religion, just be a so. bard and talk to one person after another after another. That, not even with a microphone. She'd be expelling carbon dioxide if she did that. Yeah, that's true. She yes. really needs to eat less. This and, is a uh, problem. Yeah, breathe less. Hey, and by the way, thanks for letting me hop in here, guys. I was out yep. in the hallway. Gardner was out uh, trying to uh, get Judge Napolitano. How'd that go? No chance of that? The judge has a line that I think goes out to uh, Mercury right it now. Looks, it looks like as long as a football field is it's what I was insane. saying. insane. Right. Well, I mean, what do you His expect? prices are insane. There's, there are, uh, what, 500 people here um, at this uh, at this event, and uh, you know, they, a lot of them came to see Judge Napolitano. He's the, yeah. he's the big biller. Yeah, he's the man. He's great. So, um, 
Bureaucrash, uh, you know, what else is going on with it, Lee? Well, I mean, uh, we've been working a lot with, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Students for Liberty. They've been having some uh, great conferences that we've helped them out with. Uh, in fact, there's a group, libertarian group in Israel that's looking to start up, a guy named Boris, a uh, younger guy. Um, and he's looking to set up three libertarian organizations out in Israel, and I've been on the phone with him the last couple of weeks. He's looking to have a massive uh, rally in June, uh, and three separate libertarian organizations are actually going to be created. Uh, hopefully we can help him out and uh, support him with that. And it's, it's really interesting to see how the movement's growing. He was telling me that even in uh, Russia there were people having a Tea Party rally in, in Russia, which, oh, wow. which is fascinating. Yeah, so cool. You know, I know that uh, bureaucrats has been involved so often in skewering the left and using the tactics of the left against the left. And, and in this case, since in deference to our last guest, we should say the contemporary understanding of the left, the status, the progressive. Um, and it's, it's quite interesting to me because we, we have all these different aspects of libertarian thought. You know, you guys are down in D.C., uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute down there, uh, associated with CEI. Um, and the battle comes on so many fronts. You guys are concentrating on young people, college people, that sort of thing. Um, have you noticed this? what seems to be a quite a massive surge of interest? And it's, it's not like the 60s. It's, it's different. It is, a, it is a true individual liberty movement. The 60s was a peace movement. Uh, against war, but it wasn't a peace because they didn't want to go get shot in uh, Vietnam. They wanted statism to take people's money. So they wanted to make war on their neighbor's pocketbook, but they didn't want to make war against the uh, North Vietnamese. Not entirely, but yes, that's uh, that's most of the cases. So it's a different feel now, isn't it? Yeah, it's fascinating how easy it is to to reach uh, the the next generation, at least through the the liberty movement. Uh, People seem to, for whatever reason, they're... they're, um, they understand what's going on right now more than a lot of people think um, in our government. They're actually paying attention a lot more than people think, and a lot of people that I've spoken to really understand long-term what this is going to mean for their future. It's the first time I think I've seen in a while where people are not as apathetic about uh, what's taking place in their government, so it's, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, I, yeah, same same here. I think that things are really changing. I don't know what those changes are going to result in. Um, but I, I do feel like people are very upset with, uh, with the way government's going, the way it has been going for quite some time, and that they want some kind of fundamental change. I, I, I hesitate to trust the American voter, or any voter for that matter, to, uh, to, you know, to, to set up a great uh, you know, new revolution, but um, I think things are changing. It, yeah. And one other thing, uh, I happened, I just totally forgot about this. The other, the other week I went uh, and infiltrated the uh, coffee party. I don't know if you've actually... Uh, I've heard that it's kind of a libertarian version of the tea party. Is that right? Uh, well, no, it's, it's, uh, it's actually the exact opposite. This woman, okay. uh, Annabelle Park, okay. um, former Obama campaigner, uh, worked at the New York Times as a strategist, decided to create a coffee party because she didn't like the divisiveness in uh, government. And so it, she wanted to kind of ride the wave of the Tea Party movement, but more through the statist route. And it was fascinating because I went uh, went there with a video camera and uh, sat in at their group therapy sessions. And uh, it, it was it was fascinating because most of these people really had no coherent reason for being there. They just wanted to be part of something. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a real that's a real problem in the fact that a lot of people lean towards statism or collectivism in the sense that they want to just feel part of something and they don't necessarily realize the damage that they might do to individual rights of other people while they're doing that. That's so so right. The group mentality, it's very easy to find an identity within a group 
uh, it's very, I think it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, nah, I think I'd rather not be part of that group. And, and I, I don't know about you guys. You know, but, what that draws yeah. to mind to me is the Penn and Teller uh, skit where they, they, they go around the, H2O. the, 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 ra- oh, the rally. Dihydrogen uh, to, oxide. Right, awesome. Trying to get people to sign a, a petition against dihydrogen oxide. And they have, you know, I, I assume dozens of people, if not hundreds of people, sign this. And uh, it, it's just amazing, people signing a petition against something they clearly and, have no clue what it is because it's water. And you know what I gotta, uh, what I have to observe is when you see people and you find out that, yeah, that guy supports liberty, like Penn Jillette, it's like, oh, man, that is so cool. Yeah. You know, it's just so great when you recognize that these people are standing up for your right to be left alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Lee Doran, Bureaucrash.com, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine, nutritious vitamins and minerals and a delicious chocolate taste for your picky eaters. Be sure to visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. With kids, food battles are more about control than about food. If you want to avoid a battle with your picky eater, give them a say in what they eat. At dinner, let them choose between broccoli or fruit salad. At the supermarket, give them three cereals to pick from. The more control they have, the less there is to argue about. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Free Talk Live. We are coming to you live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. And uh, we've yeah! <laughs> we've had just a bunch of interviews this evening, and we're doing things a little different. Uh, this is going to be back-to-back interviews for people uh, to listen to, and we'll start taking your calls uh, back on uh, Monday. And he's Mark. That, and I'm Gardner. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. And I'm Gard. And uh, it's good to be here with you, my man. It's a very exciting time. Uh, great, to, great to talk to folks from Bureau Crash, all different levels of people who are trying to fight the state at various levels. And some people have disagreements in how they go to work. Oh, absolutely. I, I can tell you I've got disagreements with all kinds of people here. What's but it doesn't change is... the fact that people, uh, people here want, at the very least, they're fighting for some level of liberty. And I'm with them on the issues that they're for liberty. Exactly. And, and e- even the people who organize the, the, the Liberty Forum in the Free State Project... They know there's room for all sorts of alternative ideas. Absolutely. Is that a segue? I think so. Because uh, we've got here, we got Jack, is it Schimmick or Schmeck? Schimmick. Schimmick. And uh, you put on a competing uh, sort of, well, you put on an additional program called the Alternatives Expo. I haven't missed one yet uh, since you've put it on. You put them on both Porkfest and Liberty Forum. And it's an opportunity for people to see sort of alternatives and ways to live their lives and get free, more freedom and things like that, right? That's right. And I don't like the competing word either. In this case, we're, we're free to uh, choose what we go to and what we talk about and all that. So some of the, we put on some things that are uh, kind of local projects-based that are pro-freedom projects, but that aren't, they're not on the mainstream agenda. So what we do is, uh, oh, gosh, we have got uh, talks about uh, unschooling tomorrow. We're, I'm going to be there. Okay, good, good. And uh, there's an introduction to agorism. And actually, I was originally the speaker for that, but we're going to have a couple other people. They were actually here on the mainstream agenda. Uh, Brad Spangler and uh, Charles Johnson is going to join us Yeah, John, Charles that. Johnson was on a little earlier. Yeah. And so we got something on cooperatives, eBay, which is a agorist eBay type of well, trade. Tell people what agorism is. If you're going to use that term, we got to tell people. Okay. <laughs> and uh, well, agorism is uh, as opposed to reformism. This is the good way to look at it. Reformism means 
you want to go in and reform the government and change it. Agorism, uh, in order to get to freedom, agorism says, well, you can't, can't, can't really get there going that way. Agorism is using the agora or the marketplace to get there. So if you're a libertarian, you believe in the marketplace. So we, we believe in essentially only marketplace practices. Mm, very good. And come tomorrow at 10 a.m. if you want to hear more. Now, um, I went to one today, and it was uh, on energy efficiency for your home. And uh, the, the gentleman who did it, uh, you know, just cl- clearly, you know, the soul of a miser. He wanted to, to, to squeeze every penny that he could out of his uh, home heating and electri- uh, electricity. And I found it extremely educational. Uh, not, I, you know, he handed out, he had handouts for us. It, and this guy received no compensation whatsoever. He was just there sharing something he's entirely passionate about. He was, he was, and he's he's an example of a guy that's already here in New Hampshire. I, um, I, I'm trying to promote the fact that there's actually some people here that maybe even don't identify themselves as libertarians by, you know, quote unquote, the term, but they're they're there with us already. And, and they're actually working in their their alternatives field. I use that term because there's a whole bunch of different communities of people that have a a concern with essentially uh, how corrupt the mainstream system is, and they're working their way around it. You know, for example, the energy system is a monopoly system that essentially came about from earlier on. There were competing systems, and right. J.P. Morgan comes in and figures out how to monopolize it to make the Good most of Good old J.P. Morgan. Yeah. So on to him. What he, the monopoly system he did with our money, too. That's great. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, we got a whole string of things here. And what we're, we're trying to give do... Some people, give people some more ideas of what's going on. I mean, okay. I, so tomorrow, we have an introduction to agorism is the first thing at 10. And 11 o'clock, unschooling at noon. Uh, John what's Barnes, unschooling real, uh, real quick for people? Uh, it's more that you acknowledge the fact that the child is going to learn more when when they're motivated and they're going to kind of help tell you what they need to know next. Whereas uh, I think it's called pedantic uh, teaching where you somebody stands up in front of the class and tells you what you're going to learn. And, mm-hmm. of course, it, it doesn't work in a lot of cases because you're not ready for that yet. You don't care. Uh, that right. sort of thing. They, they yeah. teach you, they teach a child how to read, how to add, and read and write and arithmetic. And essentially, after that, they allow them to self-direct. And, and I imagine some parents allow more self-direction than others. I, I do think there are important things, but I think you can kind of steer them that way. And I, I do feel because I learned so much more about Star Wars and rock and roll music while I was in uh, school so than I did up yourself because that's you the stuff I wanted to know about. Yeah. And I suspect that if I'd had more control over my education, that I probably would have, you know, tried harder to learn more of the sort of academic things. Well, yeah, if you're if you're interested was in Star Wars, you know, somebody could have uh, like listened to that, help you find more stuff on the Internet or in books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And shoot, you could end up being a rocket scientist because that was your real interest, yep. you know. Yeah. And so unschooling and learning about sword play. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, <laughs> Star Wars, uh, you know, being the space opera that it is. It incorporates a lot of different things. And, and Fighter unfortunately, pilot? unfortunately, due to the government school systems, oftentimes the people who are there to help advise the kids to supposedly recognize the talents of the kids and guide them along are oftentimes some of the least intelligent, most inept people ever to come out of colleges, and they're working in government schools. We know that for most of them, their test scores are very low. And just to, to try to get the opportunity to have someone guide you in one of those government schools is very, very difficult. Well, there's there's one really important thing I think in in dealing with people in the town, and that is I, I never knock the teachers, 
And in fact, my daughter's a teacher in uh, schools, and eh, she's in the government schools right now. But but you know uh, what I mean, Jack. I mean, for example, with my situation, I was in school. I wanted to do film stuff. Right. Who who in Amherst, New Hampshire, knows about the world in California for making films and writing scripts? Good question. You know, it, and it's it's just what are you going to do? Uh, then they're not with you the way your parents are. So the idea to me is right. unschooling. It, it, you know, it goes back to Hyatt's information problem. Hyatt's information problem. They can't be with the kids enough to know what they want, and the teachers have their own agenda and their own things to have to answer to with the curriculum. It doesn't mean that... Uh, and, and, and It's unfortunately, bureaucratically driven. You yeah. know, we got to all fit into the same square right. peg. Right, hole, and I know? agree with Jack on, on that. Is, um, you, know, you, gotta, you make friends before you make changes. Um, but uh, let, let's go on with the list. Yeah. I, we've got a limited time here. Okay, so we're going to talk at noon about uh, two, two different options John Barnes says that we have for being free, and that is to learn to shoot, shoot a rifle accurately or join a citizen's grand jury. So that'll be a real interesting... So he's uh, from Appleseed. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of the state director of Appleseed. Uh, one o'clock co-ops. There's several different cooperatives that are in the in the works. So we're talking about uh, food buying cooperatives. Yep, okay. yeah, that's a consumer buy it cooperative. And split it up amongst themselves. But I just talked to some folks in Western Massachusetts the other day that have an energy cooperative, and they actually go in together and buy solar panels together, and then they actually do the installations jointly with each other on each other's homes. We can feed kind of a, oh, that's cool. Kind of a neat system. It's called yeah. oh, that's called co-op power. Uh, Let's see, A-Bay, the trading network is at 2, 3 o'clock, the sacred non-aggression principle. Brian Wright's been working on that concept of raising it to a real sacred level, this mm-hmm. non-aggression thing. That's going to be what's really uh, the key thing to making a creative, peaceful world in the future. Uh, democracy school, this is a... Uh, I don't like that word much. Tell me about... Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of conservative folks don't, don't like that because they think it means majoritarianism. So majoritarianism is one of the aspects of the definition of the word democracy. But like most words in the dictionary, it's got several different definitions. So when you look at the movements to get free of the monarchy, for example, that's a democratic movement because what it's trying to do is get the power away from the elite into the hands of the people. Into the hands of the people, hence the demo. Word. The demo. So I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going to read their whole statement of uh, intent here or their, their mission statement. Thanks. But it's but pretty good. You, you, you'll see it. Okay. And uh, to wind up the day, uh, we have, uh, as far as the organized talks, we have what we call a skill trading matrix and party system. Cynthia is developed. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live, your show, your comments, and you can find us at freetalklive.com. This is Gard. And Mark. And we're here at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum 2010 at the Crown Plaza Hotel in the lovely city of Nashua, which uh, anyone who outside of the area... Uh, pronounces it Nashua, but it's uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, in the Live Free or Die state. And we're in the midst of a series of just searing and fascinating <laughs> interviews with a lot of really, really great on. people who are here. Mark, thank you so much for letting me sit in for Ian, and I hope Ian is having a great time. Ian is away, everybody. If you were wondering where Ian is, uh, he's away. He's tied up. I put him someplace, and uh, I get to sit in with Mark. So thank that's goodness. Great. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've... We, uh, 
we have with us uh, Representative Dan Itza. And, yes. and Dan is probably best known, having gotten on the, na- the national stage on the Glenn Beck Show, for HCR6, which was the the first of the states uh, you know, declaring their sovereignty bills. And in our case, it didn't manage to fly, but it did fly in some other states. Uh, so, Dan, I know you've done a whole bunch of other things. Tell us about HCR6. Tell us about some of the other things you've done and some of the visions you have for the future. Well, my, I want to start with my vision for the future. My vision for the future is to see, uh, to see constitutional Republican government restored to New Hampshire. That's my vision. I want to. I characterize characterize myself as a freedom fighter, and that's why I go to the legislature. I certainly don't do it for the money. Dan, I've known Dan for what, 15 years, Dan, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, 10 years. I don't know. And uh, uh, we knew each other way back at New Hampshire Center for Constitutional Studies and and all sorts of things. You know, I grew up here, Mark, and this is probably the most active and and dedicated guy in state government today. Uh, with uh, maybe a couple exceptions who might be parallel, people like Jen Coffey who's just moved in and become a state rep. But Dan has been involved for so long. And uh, his knowledge of the state constitution, I think, is pretty much unparalleled. Uh, He understands it. He can talk to people about it. He understands the federal constitution. And so when you get an interview by a person like Glenn Beck or you're on, uh, say, 96.9 with Jay Severin and and he says, oh, we have on the line Representative Dan Itza, uh, you can expose people to things that uh, they're not familiar with and maybe let's, get them closer. Let's do that. Let's do that yeah. because one of the big things that's on the talk right now is the the, the gun case out in Chicago and sure. whether or not uh, – Incorporation doctrine. Incorporation doctrine. Yeah. Incorporation doctrine is a progressive poison. We all know that. Absol- boy, are you right. And you don't need the incorporation doctrine. Absolutely. You do not, you do not need the, the incorporation thing. doctrine because – what people forget is that the Article 4, Section 2 of the Constitution for the United States says that the uh, citizens of each state shall enjoy the privileges and immunities of the citizens Precisely. of the several states, exactly. which means that whatever uh, constitutional recognition I have in, say, Pennsylvania, exactly. I have in New Jersey. Now, 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 the reason that's important is that what happens is when each state signs into the union, when they become a member of the United States, they say, I'm going to recognize all of the rights that are recognized by the other states. And what people don't know is that Pennsylvania, since 1776, has recognized explicitly the right to keep and bear arms in defense of oneself and the state. So the other states have to recognize this. And the other thing about it, Dan, is that uh, people look at the First Amendment. It it stipulates Congress shall make no law. The Second Amendment is a universal proscription against all government infringing on the right to keep and bear arms. It's very clear. You don't need to have judges interpret this stuff. It's It's very clearly written out. And I've mentioned if you were to incorporate the First Amendment, which everyone says... The uh, First Amendment has been incorporated, so therefore states can't regulate speech or anything like that. If you if you literally incorporate the First Amendment, all you're doing is incorporating that says, and the incorporation doctrine is the idea that after the 14th Amendment, the states adopted the Bill of Rights. So if you adopted the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, it still says Congress shall make no law. So therefore the states still could. Now, as a libertarian anarchist, I don't want the states to do that, but it still allows the states to do this. However, yes. Pennsylvania and one other state, which I can't remember at the moment, has explicitly 
the protection of speech. So in therefore, their the other states would have to recognize it. Absolutely. This is very Where, whereas New Hampshire and uh, uh, Massachusetts only recognize the freedom of uh, debate in the legislature. Right. And freedom of the press. So, if um, uh, you know one of these uh, democratic type states managed to come up with the uh, the right to public schooling or something like that, do we have to recognize in the state of New Hampshire that same incorporated right? Privileges and immunities. What is government designed to protect? I, I life, liberty, and property. Your natural rights. Okay. Well, gentleman, I worked for uh, in his quest for the presidency. It wasn't he didn't win. Was Alan Keyes, and he taught me what the nature of natural rights are. Natural rights are the rights you have without government. Anything that requires government is a benefit of society. It's not a natural right. Well, that's exactly right. But, Dan, we've seen, see, the very concept of rights, I think, and we're getting a little abstract, and we're speaking with Dan It's a representative of the state of New Hampshire uh, in the state legislature. He's been in there for quite a while, works really hard. Ten for, years. For, yeah, what is it, $200 a year you got to get reimbursed? Uh, $200, $200 a term, only okay. $100 a year, but you get it all at the first year. Now, part of the problem that I saw, for example, if you look at the Heller case and the Heller decision, uh, Antonin Scalia spent a lot of time explaining that the right to keep and bear arms is an individual right. It is something that exists a priori, prior to the existence of government. Exactly. And he says government is there to protect it. But then at the end, he says, and I spoke with Dick Heller about this, he says, at the end of the decision, he says, but of course rights can be attenuated. Putting the protection of rights into the hands of government is a mistake. Therefore, government is a mistake. In fact, and I know you and well, I will disagree we'll on this. We'll disagree, but what did Blackstone say about natural rights? Right. Blackstone said that no human legislature can abridge the natural rights except that the owner forfeit them through some action of their own. You commit a murder, you can have your life taken. You steal somebody's property, you can be incarcerated. Mm -hmm. But on the face of it, your rights cannot be abridged as a universal doctrine. And yet, the very entity in which you place your trust to protect your rights, and this is where I, as a libertarian anarchist, slightly disagree with you, and this is just for informational purposes, that very entity, in order to exist, must infringe on the sacrosanct right to your private property in order to create the police force to protect your private property. So therefore, government is based on a tautology. It's based on, even Jefferson was wrong. And Jefferson in the Declaration said, all governments are created to protect those rights, right? But if government is created to protect my right to property, and yet has to invade my right to property, it is a priori, it is working against this very reason for existence. And this is the, the, the importance of government by consent. And, and you have to remember that New Hampshire was the first government to have a constitutional convention. We weren't the first one to adopt our constitution because they, they got it wrong the first two times. Right. And the people rejected it. The third time they accepted it. When they accepted it voluntarily, they recognized Article 3, which says that in, for the protection of certain rights, you surrender others. But without that protection, the surrender is void. But And... In Article 12, it says that each, each uh, member of the community has the right to be protected in the enjoyment of their life, liberty, and property, and owe their fair share for that protection. But, but then, that was something they signed on to voluntarily. That's the thing. Do you think that this is all a facade, uh, in, in a way, uh, that the constitutional framework is a bit of a, a facade, as good as it could be, to reduce the tyranny and the pressures of government? 
and and you're one of the few guys with whom we could talk to and have a, a reasonable disagreement on this. Do you think that it's really a facade to say, well, it's the consent, it's your consent? Because really, what if I don't consent? I don't want to give my taxes up to the no, state of New Hampshire. No, I, I don't. Well, theoretically, and if and if you were in the post-colonial period, you could say. Move out west. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> out west doesn't do you much good anymore. Now it's outer just, space. J- 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 well, just ask uh, uh, Randy Weaver. Yeah. But, um, but that said, uh, the value of constitutional government is as good as the people are at enforcing the Constitution and keeping rain on their legislature. Representative Dan, it's a thank you very much for sitting in with us. Awesome. We'll be back. Free Talk Live. We are live at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum 2010, and it's Mark with you. And Gart. And we are just doing a series of interviews here. And uh, we've currently got with us uh, Tom Mullen. Tom, you uh, you wrote a book, uh, Common Sense. What's it called? Uh, uh, Return to Common Return Sense. Return to Common Sense. That's right. All right. So um, I... You know, I, I introduced you earlier, and I wanted to make sure you get a chance to uh, talk on the show and uh, tell us about a return to common sense. Well, I, the approach I took with the book was this. You know, we call ourselves the land of the free, um, but my uh, assumption starting out was that just about nobody knows what the word freedom really means. So I thought with all these books with political agendas, there needs to be one out there for people to know what is the meaning of that word. And I went back to... Uh, you know, the founders and John Locke and uh, the ideas about natural rights and, uh, and, uh, and liberty and, and said, okay, this is a very simple idea. What we now call the non-aggression principle is really the definition of liberty. Let's apply it uh, to health care and education and what have you. So that was the idea behind the book. So what would you come up with? Well, uh, as you might have surmised, um, people are talking about healthcare these days. So, you know, well, <laughs> I thought that was a right. I thought for sure the founding fathers thought believed in positive rights. You don't? Are you? You mean to tell me that a guy like uh, you know Thomas Paine, when he wrote Common Sense, he didn't believe that people had a right to the services of other people? That's crazy. Not until he went to France, but <laughs> um, no, and, and you're right, and, and I, my book actually played off Thomas Paine's because if you look at the way he set up his book, he starts with what is the purpose of government, and he says it's at best a necessary evil, and of course, as, as you're alluding to, it can only be a negative power, it can only protect us from aggression, right. or it must commit aggression if, if it tries to do anything more. Yes, exactly right, and of course, it, it is at its nature aggression, it just depends whether or not... Uh, people will be willing to recognize the inherent aggression of all government. That's just my anarchist side of it. But I would be very comfortable in one that was less aggressive. Yeah, certainly. And, and um, you know, the, the debate now in, in our society really doesn't even take into account the idea that anybody has any rights. And that's really why I wrote the book. And, and, and now I've had a chance to go around speaking in support of it for the last uh, year or so. And uh, I came here to talk this week about everything I've run into and some of the some of the things that have worked and some of the things that haven't. Well, tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, how long ago did you get it published? And and what sorts of 
ideas did you try to put into the book? Uh, what sort of a thesis did you follow there? I mean, a return to common sense, obviously, hearkening back to that revolutionary era. Right. Well, uh, I, the pub book was published last January. Um, really didn't get to be available till about February, so it was kind of released here at the uh, Liberty Forum last year. This was year. a big kickoff. This was the kickoff. And, um, you know, I, the first chapter one is, What is Freedom?, and uh, it goes into a lot of the things we've been told about what freedom is not. And then uh, it says, okay, nobody's ever told us what exactly that word means. So let's go back to the beginning. And, and it goes in through some of the, the passages from Locke because Jefferson cited him so much. And talks, what did Jefferson say it was? He said, no man has a right to commit aggression against the equal rights of another. That's all the law should restrain us from. That's beautiful. And and those those early thinkers went all the way back to a, a, a concept that was earliest expressed by people like Aristotle and uh, really found its, its blossoming in the 1600s when John Locke wrote the Second Treatise of Government, well, both treatises of government. And uh, they were real radicals back then. I remember um, hearing stories about the, the protests against the king in the papist plot days in england and they would they would burn effigies stuffed with live cats you know i mean the, <laughs> holy crap to, yeah to think about what you know the, what we're going through today and how how we can sit here in, in basic comfort in a hotel and these guys you know Locke was fleeing to scotland and then went to holland for a while to try to get away from uh, try to get away from the british authorities uh, thomas paine was almost beheaded Right. In the Bastille, you know, he, he was he was almost apprehended in England. Uh, the, the risks that these guys took. What do you think it's going to take today as as you go through and you talk to people about your book, Return to Common Sense? What do you think it takes? I mean, is it is the Free State Project a, a part of this? Does it seem like it's it's a, a an integral part? And where do we go trying to fight things nationally, statewide? How do you see the picture as it stands right now? Well, I, my, my focus has been uh, lately to say, look, we can do quite a bit because it's not all that hard to change minds once you start to realize, you know, what's driving people. I think most people have some kind of emotional investment in whatever their party of choice has told them. And if you come in from a different angle, and what I say is come in from this natural rights angle, talk about it because they're not ready for it. They've never heard it before. Mm. And you say... Well, if, if you say health care is a right, that means the doctor has to treat me for free. And they say, what? Well, yeah, if I have a right to his labor, then, of course, he has to give it to me for free. Well, I didn't say that. Well, what did you say? You know, and right. you, you can go from that angle and you can kind of, if, if you just... I have a right to reasonably priced health care. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and if you go from... And I get to define reasonably. And if you take the economic mm -hmm. argument, I think m most people have heard that, and uh, they're ready. If they're a liberal, they, they say one thing. If they're conservative, they say another. Um, but nobody talks about natural rights. I love the idea that you can always break it down to a question of, would you force me? You know, uh, if you say, okay, look, you know, here's the, here's the idea. Um, I, I, your idea on health care, I've argued constitutionally. Uh, you've got your, your judicial precedents, which tend to cause problems for people because the, the politically appointed judges will just go to whatever direction they want to. FDR, you know, was a great example of trying to do that sort of crap. Uh, just the battles over the Supreme Court today show us that the Supreme Court is not the arbiter of truth in any way whatsoever, and it's not the arbiter of the Constitution either. Um, and yet, what you can always do is break it down to the question of, okay, look, I, I just want to be left alone. Um, would, you, would you force me? Would you force me? And they hem and they haw, and they sit there and they say, well, you know, they do it for this. No, 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 no. Would you, I just don't count me in. Would you force me? 
to pay for this, to participate. And that's an invasion of your right to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And they are very willing in too many instances to invade that right. One of the things that you hear a lot is, well, when the majority of people want it, then that's the, uh, you know, the, the determination of right and wrong. And I always answer with, all right, I can't do it alone, right? I can't go out and point a gun at somebody, collect money, and pay someone's doctor bill. And uh, they say, no. Well, what if I had me and my friend? No. <laughs> what about me and five people? How, how many does it take before it's right? And, you know, these are the kinds of discussions I think you can have, and, and people will – you just have to give them something they haven't heard. They've heard the Republican line. The Republicans say some good things sometimes, and they never do anything about it. So, or the they never do what say they some say. good stuff too, and they're lying too. Yeah, and right, right. Yeah, and, just uh, a bunch of statists, from what I can tell. Yeah, and so and so they're ready for for those kinds of traditional arguments. But when you say natural rights and you say what you've just said, I, I mean, I think it gives people pause. Well, uh, Mr. Mullen is the author, folks, of a return to common sense. How do they find this on the web? Uh, it's at my website at uh, tommullen.net. It's also on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and and the other distributors. Awesome, very very cool. How's the Liberty Forum been going for you? Great. This is my favorite conference of the year, and I've been to a bunch of them this year. Yeah, cool. this is awesome. It's great to know that you travel around. You made it out here, and we have beautiful weather. You can have a great weekend. We got Saturday and Sunday coming up. Uh, great speakers all the way around. You're part of the whole team, and uh, I like the fact that you 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 gave a little tip of the hat to uh, Tom Paine. He was quite an amazing guy. Yeah. And, and to think it wasn't even his idea originally to write Common Sense. He was working for a doctor who didn't want to be put out of business if he came up with all this radical stuff. And he's like, <laughs> hey, you're pretty good with writing. Why don't you, can you do it, Tom? And Tom's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And it turned into this huge, huge phenomenon in the United States. Awesome. Well, let's hope we can direct some people to start that again, huh? Yeah, well, hope, hopefully. So yeah. was the doctor worried about uh, the British government coming in? What was I, I don't understand. The, I don't know anything about this doctor story. All I know is that uh, he he was worried about his clientele, didn't want to sort of ruffle feathers. I, I think he was in the New England area. I'm not sure. I've heard the story, but I don't know all the details anymore yeah. either. Yeah, So any, any, and Tom Paine had come over from, from England and was basically just doing some work and you know, catch and work wherever he could, and, and he was working for this man. And, and in fact, later on, when Tom Paine, because Paine was in the Bastille, they went to the wrong door and pulled out a guy. It was almost like a Luis Boyan sort of thing. Like, <laughs> I'm Boyan, I'm Boyan, you know what I mean? It's like, and they went to the wrong door and uh, pulled out the wrong guy. Paine would have been beheaded. But the next day, they, they came in like the next day or later in the day, and, and the Bastille was, he was freed. He would have been killed. What? Yeah, and Crazy. then Jefferson got him to come back, come back to the United States, Man. and sort of helped him out a lot. He's a pretty lucky guy. Yes, yeah, crazy stuff. So, return to common sense. Great stuff. You have another book planned? Anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on one right now, just doing the research. Cool. How can people find out about you? Uh, my website's the best place. TomMullen.net. Excellent. Right. Uh, the Institute for Humane Studies summer seminar program is now accepting applications. Uh, they have uh, 11 different seminars on a bunch of different topics that all include liberty. They're in major cities across the country. The IHS provides the meals and the housing. All you have to do is get your little college-age butt there. And the deadline is March the 31st. Really, really. Go to libertarianseminars.com. That's libertarianseminars.com. Tom, thank you very much for coming on and uh, talking to us about your book. All right. Thanks for having me. So... so um, the, 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 um. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. 
For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com.